Kia ora koutou. Welcome to the Unpacking Your Indigenous Roots podcast. I'm Amy, your host and Indigenous coach. If you're an Indigenous woman on a journey of reconnecting to your roots, redefining your beliefs and really claiming your space, then this is the podcast for you. Each episode, I'll share with you real-life experiences and self-coaching strategies that will support you to navigate your world when it comes to things like identity, belonging, reconnection, and potential. So get comfy, grab your journal, and get ready to unpack your Indigenous roots. No my haramai, let's get into it. Tēnā koutou katoa. Unpacking Your Indigenous Roots podcast. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening in. Today I want to talk to you about a topic that is close to my heart and it is the topic of reclaiming our language and that journey that we go on when we choose to reconnect and we choose to relearn or learn our real, our language. Um, it's it's a journey that I've been on over the last couple of years, and it is one that I am sure so many of you are familiar with because it comes with a whole lot of um, emotions, a whole lot of mindset challenges, and a whole lot more. So, sharing with you today my real journey and what that's been like, in the hope that it inspires you to perhaps take a step on your own real journey or perhaps it might feel support you to feel like you can keep going because um, like I said so many things pop up along these journeys and it can be really challenging it can be really tough and I want it to not be that way for you because we are here are uh, all about unpacking your indigenous roots, reconnecting, finding that sense of belonging, finding that sense of connection. And a part of that comes with knowing your language or having a connection to your language. So settle in, let's get started on today's corridor. I want to take you back, right back actually, to um, to my, my dad's generation. My dad, who was of the generation that te reo was taken from them, right? That they were not allowed to learn te reo in school, his language. And so right then and there, there is a trauma. Uh, there is a milestone in my intergenerational pathway that has shaped the way that I have been brought up and the way that I have being connected to or not connected to my my real. My dad was of that um, generation that had Pākehā names, had English names, uh, where his parents had to choose pathways, right? Choose to either resist or choose to fit in and choose to allow their children the path of least resistance. And that's the pathway that my grandparents chose. The path of least resistance, which meant English names, which meant fitting into the mold, doing what was uh, expected in society at that time. And so I am a wholehearted believer that everyone does what does the best that they can in the circumstances that they have. So I feel no ill faith or any um, disappointment or anything like that with the scenario because it is what shaped us to be who we are today and I do like I said I wholeheartedly believe that they made the best decisions that they could at the time and potentially 
had I been in their situation, I'm sure I would make similar decisions with what I had, with what I knew. And uh, the gift of hindsight is always a really wonderful thing, isn't it? But it's not always something that we have. So knowing that this is the generation that my dad comes from, it's only fair to say that it impacted the way that I entered this world and the way that I connected with my language. And it wasn't really until uh, high school, I think, that I remember, uh, might have been earlier on, but high school was a period of time that I remember having a connection and um, being in a space where we were supported to be Māori uh, in a Māori way. We spent time in the marae each morning as part of our um, morning group. I can't even remember what it was called, homeroom or something like that. Um, And so that was sort of my first real structured way of being in a te ao Māori space. But it wasn't embedded because as soon as I left high school, I very quickly went straight back to um, what I guess was considered the norm, which was not having it in my day-to-day life. And so that looked like stepping into spaces, into workplaces, and just embracing who I was as a Pākehā, um, embracing what it meant to speak English, embracing what it meant to not speak te reo correctly, just a lifestyle of really choosing to look the other way, choosing not to um, not to go down that path of what felt scary, what felt fearful, what also felt alone, that uh, the majority weren't down that pathway and very much caring about what other people thought. And it wasn't until I left the corporate world and I went out on my own as a... Um, self-employed coach that I started to unpack my identity and knowing a little bit more about who I am and what that looks like and that was when I started to do the reconnection work and part of reconnection work is part of reconnecting with your real with your language and so for me it looked like naturally finding myself in spaces working with people who did speak the real correctly who pronounced place names correctly. And I look back now and I just think, wow, I can't believe how, I guess, naive I was at the time or scared or um, afraid to be who I was, who I am, who I truly am. Uh, There was a real fear there of standing out as sounding like someone different, of being someone different. And I just didn't want that at the time. And so anyway, I I stepped into the space of working with people who did speak the language and who did um, encourage it. And what I know is very important in your real journey is that you need to be surrounded by people who support your journey because what you're embarking on is so much more than just learning a language. You're embarking on a journey of allowing yourself to be a learner, allowing yourself to not know all the answers, allowing yourself to make mistakes and to come out the other side is something more. So here I was in this space, in this workspace of um, connecting with people who were supporting me on that journey, who were nudging me along in the most kindest, gentlest way, but ultimately allowing me to take those steps And I got to a stage where I'd built up the confidence to be able to enroll in a 
course with Te Wananga Aotearoa to learn te reo Māori. And there's a there's an uncomfortable feeling that goes with this, this idea that we have to go to a tertiary institute to learn our language because it really, it feels like something that we should already have. It feels like something that we shouldn't have to learn in an education setting. What I love about Tuanango Aotearoa is they don't make it feel like that because so many of us are there not for the tohu, not for the piece of paper, the qualification, but to have the language. And so they really do make it feel like it is a space where you're invited to practice, to try it all on, to learn. They understand the many different reasons why people might be in that space, in that room. And they are incredibly kind, warm, caring in the way that they teach our language. Because our language is a taonga, right? It's a gift. It is something truly special that we all deserve to have within us. So um, so yes, I stepped into the learning space once again and became a learner and started my te reo journey with Te Wānango Aotearoa. And I will be honest, in the beginning, my ego showed up and I felt like, yeah, I know this. I know more than I, I think I do. Uh, and I thought maybe I could skip it, skip the first year and go straight on to the second year. And you know what? Potentially I could have. Potentially I could have worked a little bit harder and, and done so. Um, but I'm really glad I didn't because what I learned in that first year was some humility. It was permission to be at the beginning, to start from the start and to just go through the motions of learning the language in the way that they teach it. And so we learned... Waiata, we learned um, Whakatoki, we learned Kiwaha, and of course we learned how to speak te reo and how to write it. And what comes with learning the language is just so much more than just the language, right? It's the tikanga, it's understanding the way in which the language is used, it's understanding te ao Māori, the way in which Māori chose to be, who they chose to be, how they chose to be. Um, It's understanding dialects, the fact that different geographical locations had different nuances and different ways of speaking the language. And it's understanding where ideas and concepts and parts of the language come from. So it's it's such a wider thing than just learning a new language. And that is what makes it stand out for me is because I didn't just learn to speak some te reo, I've learned who I am as a part of that journey. I've really learned to um, discover, you know, what makes me me when I think about myself as being Māori. I've learned to understand why we use pepeha to introduce ourselves and not just, you know, remember the words that I say, but understanding why I'm saying it the way I'm saying it and understanding how we might use those words to introduce someone else and in a unique and individual way. Now let's talk about some of the pitfalls of learning your language for the first time or relearning your language because there are pitfalls. There are things that are really challenging. One of those things that is really challenging is that Learning a second language means that in the beginning, what you're doing is you are trying to translate the words in your mind. You're trying to process the words, which makes having a corridor 
in Tereo really difficult. Writing is a little bit easier because you have that time there to process your thoughts and to write it out. But having a korero means actually hearing what's being said to you, translating that in your mind, articulating a response, translating the response, and then verbalizing the response to the other person. And this is all something that a natural speaker in any language would just inherently do, right? You know the language. But when you're learning a second language, when you're learning a language for the first time, there is that internal processing that goes on that takes a wee while. And I have not yet passed the stage where I'm, when I'm through that, but I really look forward to the moment where I can respond unconsciously, where I'm not trying to go through that process of translating both sides of the conversation before speaking and before responding because that makes it so much more seamless in the way that we have a conversation with someone else. Another pitfall that I've found that's come up is that you really have to be using the language each and every day and it is not enough to just go to class once a week, do your online learning and think that you'll pick it up. It's it's really something that you have to be practicing and using the words again and again and again. You're effectively learning a whole new dictionary, right? A whole new set of kupu, a set of words that now needs to enter your mind. And so how do we embed learning? By practice, by repetition, by using it again and again, which does mean having people around you who you can practice with. And that can be tricky if you've um, embarked on this journey by yourself. And let's be honest, it can be really easy to just default back to the norm, default back to your natural way of doing, which is to speak English or to speak your first language. Uh, And so having people around you who are also practicing, who are also committed to trying it on, or who already can speak the real, speak the language, is a really great thing because it allows you to continue to step out of your comfort zone, continue to embed the learning, continue to really practice all the different things that you are learning. One more pitfall that I find uh, with learning a new language is just the idea of sentence structures. We have spent so much time on sentence structures over the last two years and it is a really interesting thing actually because I, when I think about the English language and the way that I speak or the way that I write, I really don't pay any attention to it anymore and obviously it's something that you learn when you're a young person, um, when you're going through schooling and you're learning the English language, Uh, but learning sentence structures in te reo Māori is hard, Uh, it is hard. And it's just the idea that there are different words that mean different things or have different contexts and we're just not used to them. So again, practicing, 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 using the words, using the structures as much as possible and knowing that as you get better at the language, from what I've seen, people start to abbreviate and people start to drop words off or start to use different words for different meanings and this is so relevant for the English language too right we start to I know here in New Zealand in particular here in Aotearoa we definitely have some ways of shortening our sentences uh, or shortening our words to cut corners where we can so I know that must happen in all languages too 
Now, here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see people who are on their real journey feel discouraged or be put in a position of being discouraged because others make judgments on their efforts, on their learning. And do you know what? This comes from both sides. It comes from those who are not interested in learning your language and it also comes from those who are already fluent. It can feel like you're getting judged from every which way to be perfect, to be right. And sometimes that judgment is so strong inside of you that you actually just don't try at all. I know for myself, before going to Te Wānango Aotearoa, before learning, that was a big thing that held me back, was the fear of being judged, not just by others who didn't speak the language, but also by those who do speak the language. Because they are so well-spoken, and I didn't want to be seen as making mistakes. If you know me well, you'll know that I jump all the way to perfectionism. So I wanted to be perfect at the language before I put myself out there. Now, what I know now is that we can't be perfect. We can't jump straight to perfection, not just with language, but with anything. And so the only way to go about it is to scuff our knees, which means turning down the volume on those voices of judgment or on those fears that we have in our head that others are judging the way that we're learning, judging the way that we're speaking or trying it all on and turning up the volume of those who are supporting us, turning up the volume of celebrating the success of you reclaiming your language, learning your language and being able to court it or Māori, to speak in your own language because it's such a really great gift to have. And so let's just talk a little about why. Why now? Why is it important for you to take this step if you haven't already or if you're on that roller coaster already and you're wondering if it's something you want to stay on? One of my beautiful friends, Lizzie Dunn from Indy, shared in a pitch a few years back that every two weeks the world loses a language. That's a massive statistic, right? Every two weeks the world loses a language. This is why we need to learn our language. This is why we need to reclaim our language. And this is why we need to encourage those in Aotearoa, those around us, to step into that space and learn a little as well. Because we don't want Te Reo Māori to be one of those languages that is lost, lost to the world. So if for nothing else, it's about holding on to the language for our future generations. It's about allowing your mukapuna, your legacy, your people ahead of you to have the opportunity to learn their language too. And it's about honouring our tupuna, honouring those who came before us for the decisions that they made and for the spaces that they were put in. It's about honouring them by upholding what it was that they wanted us to have by bringing it back to life. And it's such a beautiful thing too. I just don't know what downside there could be to having a bilingual life, to having two languages in your life. It is a really beautiful thing to hear my tamariki speak te reo. I love that our girls are able to go through a bilingual pathway at school. Amelia has been in there for two years now and she's absolutely thriving. We can't wait for Maya to go through as well. 
And it is something that we really hope that they will hold on to. Unlike me, when I stepped out of schooling and I stepped into the workforce and I let it all go, I really hope that because we're embedding it in their life so young, a lot younger than I had it, uh, that they will hold on to it and that they will see it for the gift that it is and they will really see it as their strength and a part of their identity, a part of who they are and how they stand strong in this world. It's a part of what they can represent for themselves, for their people, for their tupuna, for their future generations. So if you need a why, that's that's a why. That's why I do it for them. Perhaps it's for you. Perhaps it's for your whanau. Perhaps it's for your community. Whatever it is, I encourage you to take just one step. You know, go and find a group. Go and find um, a community of people that you can learn alongside Head over to Facebook, join some of those amazing Facebook groups with people like Hemi Kelly who are supporting New Zealanders to learn one new kapu a day, one new Māori phrase a day. Um, Check out people like Scotty Morrison and Stacey Morrison who have some wonderful books out uh, to teach you the basics of te reo Māori. Allow yourself to step into that space of being a learner, trying it all on, scuffing your knees because it's for the betterment of the people in our country. 